The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that the original pictures from the moon taken by NASA had to be heavily photoshopped? Not because they were faking it, though, but because they were removing all the armadillos. Not because they were hiding the armadillos, but because all the armadillos were making rude gestures in every photo. Armadillos are very rude. <laughs> For more armadillo-related facts and to check out bonus content, check us out at patreon.com slash club. Wheel of Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to the Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're covering chapters 33 through 37 of The Fires of Heaven, book 5 of The Wheel of Time. Previously, Swan's attempts to become the power behind the new White Tower are thwarted by Gareth Bryan rolling into town. The Tower Power? The Tower Power. The Tower of Power? <laughs> the Powers of Tower? I don't know, yeah. Uh, Kadir and Ascender remind us yet again why it sucks ass to be a dark friend. You want to star in your own torture porn? Join the dark friends. <laughs> uh, Rand gets word that Kuladin's at Kyrian and learns about some Aiel tax law. I mean, that's super interesting information, I suppose. Uh, Avienda and Rand go on a romantic bonecation to Shanchan and just along the way <laughs> incidentally completely ruins some Shanchan lives. <laughs> right, they screw each other, then screw them. That's right. <laughs> It's just like everyone's getting screwed. <laughs> Chapter 33, A Question of Crimson, Icon of the Elephant. Because we're doing NDA Adventures, the Circus Life Edition. I like this. This is great. <laughs> Me too. I'm, I'm digging these circus scenes. So we start out with Nynaeve practicing having knives thrown at her by Tom. <laughs> and, you know, she's not being cool about it. It's, I, mean, you know, it's I don't know if I would be cool about yeah, it. Yeah, it's not like uncomfortable. That. It's, it's like Valen Lucas, I finally found a place where I want you in this circus, and I want him to throw knives at you. <laughs> but Tom, I mean, like, if anyone's going to be throwing knives at me, I want it to be Tom. That guy is pretty good with a knife, right? No, he was good with a knife before he got that limp, you know? <laughs> His whole base is off. Do you he's think probably that, still good at knives. Yeah, I mean, like, I think we've seen him throwing knives a bit here and there since then. Do, do, you, do you use your leg a lot when you're throwing a knife, Jeff? I mean, yeah, right? You, gotta, you have to get all the power from the ground. You twist through your whole body, man. You follow through. Don't. I thought it was all in the wrist. Don't be ableist, Jeff. <laughs> Come on. That's true. Tom is probably spryer now at 90 years old or whatever he is than I am. But anyway, Val and Luca has a huge boner for Nynaeve. Oh, yeah. He keeps trying to get her to wear a very revealing red dress mm-hmm. for the show. Yeah, yeah. And she's not really feeling it. I, I can't. I don't blame her, you know? We spend an awful lot of time hearing about this dress and Nynaeve thinking about this dress. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. true. It's... A lot. I'm, I can't tell if this is, is does Nynaeve like Luca, Luca or not? Like, I, I know we, we get a lot of this from Nynaeve's perspective, which means she's never going to admit to these things, mm-hmm. but it's hard to tell if she has some sort of like subtle attraction to him or I, something. I, I think she feels attracted to him because he's an attractive guy and she just can't deal with it. She keeps talking about his calves and, you know, everyone's got their thing, I guess, but calves are a little weird to me. Like a reasonable person would say, oh, I got a little lady boner for this guy. But she's not a reasonable person, so she says, I hate him, I hate him, I hate him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's definitely in a mood <laughs> at this point. I, I noticed in this scene, Tom is actually laughing at Nynaeve. Oh, yeah, a lot. When mm-hmm. I, I Was he doing that before? Because this has always been the question we're talking about is, is Nynaeve supposed to be a joke or not? Well, I mean, she's enthralled to someone else now, so I guess that's funny to him, because Nynaeve is not wearing the pants anymore. Mm-hmm. 
And she's not wearing that sexy dress yet. So they get some word of Rand's war and justice in Kyrian. Apparently he's taking a very draconian approach to justice. Yeah, hanging anybody that breaks the rules. Does anything, right? I mean, like, if, if they steal something, he hangs them. Mm-hmm. That seems a little extreme. I don't know. I mean, seems a little unjust. Uh, is no one, uh, no one, I guess no one really is there to check him at this point, right? I mean, that's, it's kind of what kings do, right? They kill anybody that looks at them funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although the problem with hanging everybody that breaks any little penny any laws, you run out of people pretty quick. Yeah. Jaywalking, hanging. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the menagerie is kind of stuck between white cloaks on one side and the prophet's mob in Gaelden. Mm-hmm. We meet so this- some of these uh, menagerie folks and we meet um, Aludra. Who I didn't we we've, we talked to her a couple times. They mentioned mm-hmm. they've got an illuminator in the camp, and it wasn't until this scene where she's uh, working on the the strikers. Yeah, that she's the one who that I realized that she's the one who gave Matt explosives, right? Yes. <gasps> wow. Yeah, I didn't make that connection until that very moment. I was yes, like, that's her. She's the one. Remember when Rand and Lanfear stumbled into the illuminators camp and got one of them fired? Yes. Yeah, that's her. Yeah. So Rand got her fired, and then she gave Matt a bundle of explosives. Which he then used to blow up the Stone of Tear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and now here she is uh, inventing matches while working for a circus. So Nynaeve has to be Tabaret. She has to to draw these people to you her. You think so? Well, the other two people that have attracted this person are also Tabaret. Yeah, I, I, uh, I made notes about that because over the course of the events in this these, these chapters, a lot of really unusual and advantageous things happen around Nynaeve. And we mm. talked about this before. She really feels a lot like Tavaren. Yeah, right? Yeah. I'm just really curious why Robert Jordan never named her as such, though. I mean, maybe she's like a secondary Tavaren. It's just because she's so closely associated with them, but uh, maybe they, he just didn't get around to it also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she's she's flying soul like like for a long time she was alongside these other characters so it was easy to say oh that's the influence of matt or perrin or or Rand." but at this point i would say she's making more waves than matt by himself is, yes right? she totally. stirs the pot wherever she goes just like Rand, matt and perrin yeah mm-hmm. so there's all kinds of drama in the menagerie you know people giving each other the side eye the chavanas trying to make it with every lady they can <laughs> and what what has happened before this bit of the story begins is that Nynaeve got in a fight with Carandon, the Shanshan, uh, who completely kicked her ass. Yeah, we don't, we don't it's, this is another one of those instances where we, don't, we have kind of like a, an unreliable narrator because we're hearing, hearing all this from Nynaeve's perspective. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, it sounds like she was basically just trying to bully her physically. Yeah. And right. it just her, didn't go very well for her, right? She wasn't, she's trying to get answers about the Shanshan and the Adam and all that stuff. But yeah, they. She tried to push her, and then and Karandin apparently knows judo, and put her on the ground, and Over, forced her to and, drink something gross. What, no, that was that was uh, a memory of Egwene. Talking about the drink. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so Nynaeve is doing this thing now. Whenever she thinks about lying, she she remembers her experiences with Egwene and and thinks to herself, "Oh, I don't want Egwene to make me drink this." Like. Shit water or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so Egwene has been using her dream powers to give Nynaeve emotional scars. Mm. Right. <laughs> Which are still like, lingering. Like you do. But as like a result, normal. she's becoming more honest, I guess. Um, I mean, I don't know. So I don't... They got an Adam from Carindon? I don't remember that. 
It happened early on. It was it was when they first meet her and they reveal that she's a Shanshan. She's like, oh, I found this, or I I I I still have this from then. Do you want it? You know, she just gave oh. it to him. It was, it was pretty. Yeah, was I just forgot about thing. that. Yeah. But uh, Elaine is Elaine is studying the Adam that they got from Carindon, and she says she's figured it out. She's figured out how it's made and how to make another one. This is super interesting. Like yes. Tarangrel haven't been made in thousands of years. Yeah, like this is very useful. How did she figure it out? This is is this because maybe this is a type of Tarangrel that is still being manufactured? Oh, it's possible. Over in Shanshan? Uh, we don't. Do we know that they're, that they're being manufactured in Shanshan? I, mean, I assume they are. They've well, got lots of them. The only other Tarangriol that they have in their possession right now is just the ring, right? To get into Teleranriol. Yeah. Maybe it's the only one that she can see and like pull apart. Actually, right. even though she isn't physically like manipulating it, is she? I don't think so. I think she's just using her channeling powers. Yeah, she's th- just looking at it through the her one power vision. I think it's incredibly interesting to see how the power is manifesting in Elaine versus Egwene versus Nynaeve. Right. Yeah. yeah. Elaine's becoming like the inventor and she can see these certain things and Nynaeve has her own strengths and Egwene is apparently just kind of like a Mary Sue who anything she sees, she can replicate it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so Elaine here discovers a passion for making things. I think it's kind of cool. Which is super cool. cool. Yeah, it's, it's got to be something she's never had to do in her life. Yeah. I can't, and I also can't believe that Nynaeve is completely missing the implications of this also. Right, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of frustrating because Nynaeve is not stupid, right? I mean, like, I get that the idea of making more of these, these like, slave necklaces is, is not an appealing idea. But the fact that she can make one has some pretty powerful implications. But... Nynaeve seems to be just kind of completely well, ignoring we, this. We know Nynaeve did not pay attention in her classes, so she may not know that you can't make Terangriel anymore. Uh, that's a fair point. But Elaine also brings up, too, something that we've commented on, but nobody else has really talked about, how much knowledge was lost from the Age of Legends. And she even says, God, I wish I knew even some of what the Forsaken know. Mm-hmm. And she seems to be... the, And she's just on this quest for knowledge... Um, I think it's really interesting because nobody else really talks about it. They're like, okay, I guess we're okay with being primitive again or whatever. Right, yeah. I, I don't know if they're incurious or if they're... It's such a struggle to survive that they don't have time to do this. I mean, fair enough. People are literally starving to death right now. Yeah. And so it takes a, you know, idle noble poking around with a toy <laughs> to figure it out. Yeah, that's a fair point, yeah. So, Julian mentions that he spotted Galad over the river. So Galad is still looking for them. He's mm-hmm. on the trail. Yeah. This guy's like the Terminator. Well, sexy Terminator. <laughs> Terminator's the, pretty sexy. Yeah, I was going to say. Which, wait, which Terminator? All of them, right? The one without the clothes. <laughs> that's all of them, right? <laughs> I think that's the time... Wasn't that one of the symptoms of time travel is you always had to start out naked? Yeah, it blows your clothes right off. Yeah. <laughs> they actually like... They get like in older and older fashions as you go backwards in time until like before that fashion was invented and then they disappear. <laughs> Way good clothes. Nynaeve still can't remember Saladar. She's trying to remember Saladar because that's where they need to go. So dumb. Do they really need to go to Saladar though? I mean, I know that's where Nynaeve wants to go, but like, is that really? I mean, I guess. Well, they, they want to go back to their Aes Sedai training and that's yeah. what their job is, right? I that's have true. so much trouble believing that they she could not remember the name though or that she wouldn't. Grab, get a map. I don't know if she would have access to one, but like, mm-hmm. how hard would it be to remember a name? I mean, well, it's just a little town that has been abandoned for a while. It probably isn't on any current maps. Not yeah. to mention that, that 
the, as far as she's concerned, that name is gibberish. She's never heard it before. Like, it's hard to remember a gibberish word that you've only seen written down once, right? It seems out of character for her, though, because she does seem to be very competent, at least when it comes to, like, memorizing things for healing. That's yeah, true. Th- this is my ongoing thesis here is that Nynaeve is having something like a mental breakdown over the course of these chapters because she's, she's acting worse than she ever did before. She's under all these weird pressures she never was in before. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these events that are happening in this chapter and, and as we'll see later are seem to be about humbling her. She has this, like, this, this titanic pride that, that gets her into trouble over and over again and it seems to be one of her greatest character flaws. And all of this seems to be about kind of like breaking that down, mm-hmm. which is interesting to me because I'm, I'm kind of hoping this... We've heard a lot of our listeners say that Nynaeve is a really well-written character, and I'm wondering if this is like the beginning of a new arc for her. That's kind of what I'm hoping. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm curious. Yeah, we'll see. I agree with what you say, though, Jeff. I think it would make a lot of sense if this was her kind of breaking down because she's... Uh, Egwene has dominated her. Elaine is taking more of a leadership position now, too, which is interesting to see. Yeah, which it was all naive before because she's such a hard charger, but it seems like she can't deal. Well, right I'm, won- I'm wondering, too, because um, one of the things I was going to complain about in this partic- this week's readings is Nynaeve is just extra Nynaeve-ish. Like, I got to the point I was almost thinking about highlighting every single time she talked about being angry or said something, thought something nasty about men. Because mm-hmm. it was, like, literally every single paragraph. So that might make sense if she's in this mental distress that she's even more angry and snappish and... Um, pushing away people and thinking badly of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, up until now, she's kind of gotten by by being just a, a, a huge asshole, right? Like, she's she's been a bully, and, and I think she's starting to see that she's no longer the biggest, meanest person around anymore, right? And, I mean, Karen is a great example. She's she's trying her, like, physical aggressiveness, and Karen, Karen's like, you can't do that with me. I know judo, you know? Yeah. Yeah, this idea that being a bully or being the biggest jerk does not uh, being a bully does not equate strength which is something we're going to see in a few chapters with another character too so i i thought this was a really well structured chapter mm-hmm. most of his chapters are they're good but they're they're largely written in a, in a really straightforward linear style but part of it's almost like she, there's an unreliable narrator here where we're getting everything from Nynaeve's perspective and she tells us everything out of order kind of in the reverse of the the order that we would think is important right yeah. she's sort of is trying not to think about how she got her ass kicked by Karen did. And that's why she has a black eye. But everybody keeps bringing up the black eye so she can't avoid thinking about it. And the chapter works that way too. It's really cool. Yeah, it was interesting. When, when she was talking about this black eye through, through the beginning of the chapter, I was thinking to myself, is this a remnant from that first time she got in a fight? Is she still, does she still have a black eye from that? Because I couldn't figure out what she was talking about. And, and it's exactly what you said. She was intentionally avoiding thinking about this recent you know, altercation. Yeah. So here's an idea. Do you think Nynaeve is in a pre-forsaken state? She's got, she's got these weird mental hang-ups, and it seems like that's what led all the forsaken to becoming forsaken and turning to the dark, is they couldn't deal with the situation in the, the real world. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I don't have enough... I wouldn't say I have enough information about the history of the forsaken yet to, to answer that question. I mean, I, I think that it's there, that she has potential for going in an evil direction. If she doesn't get her shit together, is she going to be a villain? She could be. I mean, she's, she's got, she's certainly got some, some dangerous traits, right? Like she's got this kind of self-righteousness thing, this, this idea that she's the, the best, smartest person. And she has 
if she could ever actually realize the power, she has a great deal of power at her disposal. I think she could be a forsaken, sort of like the way Asmodian did, not so much because he's evil McEvil face, but mm-hmm. because he he was in search of all this knowledge, right? Wasn't that Asmodian's thing? He wanted yeah. music? Yeah. And she talks about how deeply interested she is in healing, but we don't ever really hear anything about her doing things because they're in the light versus not. So... Mm-hmm. I could see here. I, I could actually really see that. That I'd never thought about that before, but that's yeah. an interesting idea. Chapter 34, A Silver Arrow, Icon of a Ring. So we sit down for a, a nice mealtime with Nynaeve and her team, and Elaine cooks, which is part of her thing now. She likes making stuff. Yeah, and she cooks a, apparently a really fancy, nice meal. Yeah, at the cook fire. And Nynaeve talks more about... Uh, Luca, Luca's calves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Luca comes and sits next to her and shows off his calves, which are great calves. Um, and in Nynaeve's head, she's like blowing him off and trying to get rid of him. And after this, after Luca leaves, because I think Nynaeve punches him, Elaine says, "Why do you keep leading him on?" Mm-hmm. And this, this is this is kind of what led me to ask my question previously, because this. Because so much of this, this is happening from Nynaeve's perspective, it's difficult to tell what is actually happening here. But it, from that particular conversation, it makes me wonder if there is she has an interest there and she's just not admitting yeah. to herself. Like up until this point, I was thinking, man, this guy cannot take a hint. Why does he keep feeding himself into this meat grinder that is Nynaeve? But yeah, but she, apparently she's actually kind of smiling at him. And she's sort of she's not telling him to go away. She's not being clear with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she may actually be enjoying the attention, but she doesn't admit it to herself or to us. I was wondering if she's being deliberately obtuse because it says that he was he was suggesting that they take a stroll by moonlight, and she said it was hints so veiled that she was not entirely sure that was what they were until she thought about it. So mm-hmm. I think she's being deliberately obtuse. I think that Nynaeve does a lot of lying to herself. I think that she has a lot of mental blocks. And, and it's a it's a perfect, maybe not a metaphor, but, but a perfect example is the way she has this power, this difficulty with the one power. She has the ability to use all this, this, this channeling ability, but she can't actually access it because she has this personal, this, this mental block that she can't get around. Mm. So afterwards, Nynaeve visits Telharan Riyadh to see Birgitta. And by the way, we're going to say her name as Birgitta from now on because that's what it says in the back of the book. And we're trying to normalize our pronunciation on this podcast. I, I personally have a huge problem with it, but I'm going to do it because <laughs> I, want to, I, want to, I want to say it like Jordan intended. But, you know. Yeah, I'm sure we can all uh, relate. You know, we all read these books, and so we probably all have a slightly different pronunciation in our heads for most of these words. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's been really hard uh, for what was naive was a really difficult difficult word. Right. Yeah. Me, actually, yeah. I, I I thought of her as naive. Yeah, Same, yeah. Me too. I had to retrain myself because that's how I'd read it for years. Mm-hmm. So Birgitta. Birgitta. Like burr, it's cold, and then geet, like but feet. Not like beer gut. No, no. not like beer gut. <laughs> So Nynaeve goes to Teleran Riyadh to see Birgitta. And apparently she's been rolling around Teleran Riyadh a whole lot lately, which we know is a bad idea, because... I don't know if we know that's a bad idea. I mean, they know that Mogedian's around, and they know the kind of person that she is. Yeah, but it's... Mogedian can come into her dreams wherever she is, right? Yeah, I And they, so. it's so useful to go there. 
I mean, I just feel like they're in dire circumstances and, and high risk, high reward plays is the way to go. I, I just feel like the wise ones have been telling them left and right, Teleran Riyadh is not a place to fuck around. And they're like, yeah, we're going to fuck around in Teleran Riyadh. Screw the wise ones. I know how you feel about the wise ones. They're the worst. <laughs> but uh, Birgitta has found Mogedian. And so she takes Nynaeve to go spy on Mogedian, who herself is spying on the uh, the team of Forsaken that is teamed up against Rand. And by the way, I came up with a name for them. Yeah. The Forsaken. Because there's four of them? There's four. Yeah, no, that's good. The Forsaken. Right, the Forsaken. It doesn't, it doesn't work in audio that much, but it's, it kills on the page. <laughs> F-O-U-R hyphen Saken. Right, the Forsaken. So every time we say Forsaken, specifically in reference to these people, listeners, note that we are saying... F-O-U-R-S-A. Right, yeah. If yeah. you really hit the four really hard, the four Saken. <laughs> but so when Mogadian's with them, is it the five Saken? Well, she's not with them. Yeah, she's spying on them. Let's hope not, because yeah. it'll totally fuck Let's, up our name. If that happens, then I hope Mogadian dies, because she ruined my name. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this 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 little arrangement is kind of funny to me. It's, I, it's I, comical. I love this. This was so cool. It was so weird. So they're, I guess, Nynaeve and Birgitta are... Hovering in space above Mogedian, who is hovering in space above the Forsaken. Who are hovering in space on these four little... On these four thrones. Yeah, <laughs> and each of their... I, I swear, they spend all their time on interior decorating. <laughs> each of their thrones is like custom-made for their their personality. I know. I love the characterization of the, the Forsaken that Jordan does, and this is a perfect example of it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Grandel is... She's on a chair that's made of like carved figures doing acrobatics and sex stuff. I was, yeah. Are, like, so I was wondering, are they actually acrobatics or are these like just really? It could be because it's from '90s perspectives again. So we have to say like, what what is this really doing? <laughs> I wonder if these are all just like really wild sex. It, it's right. It, it could be like a lady getting onto a horse and her skirt shows a bit of her ankle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, her that chair just sounds really uncomfortable. Honestly, they're probably really lumpy. Yeah, right? <laughs> at the very least. And Lanfear is in what you would expect, the usual, white stone and silver. Yeah, she's got kind of a classic look. And Samael is in like a, a wooden chair carved with armies and shit. Because we know how Samael likes his armies. Yeah, he's like, army dude. I'm the army dude. Look at my chair. It's an army <laughs> chair. <laughs> and Ravin is on an opulent throne. And okay. like super gem encrusted to the point of being kind of like ugly, I would so, say. So I mean, they conjured these for themselves, right? In Dream Space or something. So they... They thought about this. This yeah. is intentional. Yeah. Uh-huh. None of them is like, this is the chair I just had with me. Right. No, this, this, they didn't go to a craftsman and just like, let me buy this off the shelf. These are like, they made them with, them with their brains, right? <laughs> yeah. So what would your special secret Forsaken meeting chair be? Uh, probably be made of bacon. <laughs> Crafted entirely of bacon. Yeah. One big piece of bacon or lots of little Lots of little pieces. It'd be like woven out of bacon. Would you eat it as you went through the meeting? Absolutely. That would be the point of it. <laughs> I just like take off pieces of it and then they like regrove. <laughs> I was, for some reason, I also turned to food and I was thinking I would want a chair made out of like really good pillowy soft bread. Oh, mm. bread chair. Yeah. That just sounds really comfortable. Nice and, and warm. And like in the place where like on recliners where you have the like cup holders, that would be queso. <laughs> Man, that's good. Wait, just bread and queso? Yeah. Do you have chips? I guess. <laughs> Don't look. I mean, chips kind of bread, sort of. Yeah, maybe. it's a type sure. of bread. Sorry, I'm not trying to, not trying to harsh on your bread chair. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, if it's fondue cheese, you could just dip bread in it. There you go. That's what I meant. More like fondue cheese, not queso, because okay, cool. you have to do tortilla chips with queso. So you just have like a little fork in your hand and just like tear off pieces of your chair yeah. and dip them in the. Butter. Yes, that would be amazing. <laughs> that sounds pretty. Good. Like it'd be soft and warm and delicious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What so, about you, Jeff? Yoga ball. 
just to sing really? beautiful. It's really good for your core. <laughs> okay, I kind of want to see you just like bouncing on a yoga mat. <laughs> bouncing around. <laughs> With all know, the occasionally I kind of fall a little bit and have to get <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> What's the yoga ball, yoga ball made of? Uh, dream stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so they're all sitting around in their opulent thrones. I'm in my bacon chair. Alice is in her bread chair. And, right. sitting there and my core is engaged. <laughs> My spine is straight. <laughs> you have rippling abs. No, just because you're, you're first taken doesn't mean you can't be, you know, built. <laughs> That's right. I got to say, one of my favorite things, though, I really love uh, Birgitta, her random um, references to things that nobody has any idea what she's talking about because it's from, like, Age of Legends or before. Mm-hmm. Like, she is warning Nynaeve about Grendel, and she says... Don't think she's a fool because she lulls in a chair that would make a Senja no room keeper blush. <laughs> just like random shit like that, just out of nowhere. I love it. And oh, I wish yeah. I knew what it meant. Yeah, how many worlds has she been in? I mean, yeah. no room keeper is, I mean, just from the context, it's got to be some sort of brothel or something, but I have no well, idea. Isn't that when they be a yes room? Well, what do you yeah. mean? <laughs> a, yeah, a no hyphen room. Oh, as in, let me think. So you're, you're going there and you can't sleep there? It's like, look, we don't have any rooms, but you can come to fuck. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's no with an H, right? N-O-H? No, it's no just N-O. N-O hyphen room. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds a little bit Japanese-y to me. You know, they have that, don't they have a theater that's called No? Yeah. It's like Kabuki kind of. But I don't think No has anything to do with the... I, I doubt it has anything different. to do with this, but it, it may be part of his... You know, Robert Jordan history mix master thing. Maybe it's like kind of a geisha house. Oh, yeah, it could be. So the Forsaken are goading Rand to attack Samael, and then they all jump him. Yeah, so this, this is interesting because up until now, the whole Samael golden, what is it, the golden bumblebees? The golden bees. Oh, yeah, that's very scary. <laughs> Samael's golden bees seem to be doing like kind of a senseless attack, but this is, they're baiting him. Right, yeah. This trap is pretty straightforward, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of everybody immediately said, this is a trap. Do they think Rand is dumb? Uh, they don't know much about Rand, really, right? Not, but not truly. They know him as, as kind of a figure, and, as, and, and certainly they know his, his history in terms of like who his reincarnation is. But he's just a dude from Two Rivers. There's no information about him as far as they're concerned. Maybe they're just cocky because they've, they've more or less succeeded against him many, many times, right? It's in various true, forms. Yeah. But it did kill Balsamon, right? Yeah, yeah, they should be taking him seriously. And Bilal. Did he kill Bilal too? Well, Moray did, but... Yeah, oh, that's true. His and also, did. those two dudes at the beginning, in the very first book, whose names I can't even oh, remember, yeah, um, who he killed with the, <laughs> the Eye of the World. Oh my god, who was Balthazar? Agonor and Balthamel. So he's actually killed between three and four Forsaken, depending on how much information they have at this point. Do you yeah, think they're right. not taking him seriously enough? Uh, well, they, I mean, they seem to think it's, it'd be a straightforward thing to deal with him. I mean, and maybe they're right. As far as we, we know a little bit about linking now because Jordan conveniently gave us a little primer in how linking works like three chapters ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess it does greatly increase your power. So if you have, what was it four, the four Saken? Yeah. <laughs> if you have the Forsaken all linked, then that should, in theory, be stronger than yeah. any one person, including the dragon. So if they've got that, why not just airdrop right on top of him and kill him right away? Why this whole trap? That's a good question. I mean, maybe maybe even for the Forsaken uh, army of however 100,000 Aiel is a problem. Maybe they want to separate him from his... His cohort? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. I'm surprised that they're still even thinking about linking anyway, because it seems like they're 
is absolutely no trust among them at all. Yeah, right. Well, they're certainly not thrilled about the idea. None of them seem to be really they have thrilled to be about desperate. the idea. And these are the only four who actually shut up. There's other ones who are still just fucking around doing their own thing. Yeah. Like Mogedian. Like Mogedian, for example. Yep. So Nynaeve and Birgitta uh, head back before they can get seen, but too late because Mogedian trapped them. I mean, they're NDA, right? This is what they do. <laughs> <laughs> they spring fucking traps. That's so true. they spring Mogedian's trap. Right. Yeah. And it's, uh, it is bad. It is bad to spring Mogedian's trap, it turns out. Yeah, she's... Much worse than the previous traps. She's real nasty. And she sees that Nynaeve is working in a menagerie. Yeah, because she follows them back to the dream menagerie where where they where Nynaeve lives. Mm-hmm. And she KOs Birgitta and then grabs Nynaeve with dream powers and starts torturing her and making mind control threats. Yeah, she's talking about turning her... Like, literally turning her into animals... Yeah, like she said she could turn her into a horse in the dreams. So, so whenever when, she goes to the dream, she becomes a horse without right? any control. What is it? Okay, that that to me to me is a really weird threat because some people like being horses. I was thinking the same thing. Like I, if I'm literally dreaming, turning right? her into a horse and riding her is not that bad if you're into it. Like if you're into pony play or whatever it's called, <laughs> that's just your king. Well, I wasn't thinking about that. I was oh, thinking okay. maybe just Running around as a horse is a thing that people dream about. Oh. Yeah, that's you. I'm told. <laughs> well, okay. But she's not a free horse, right? Like, she wouldn't be a horse <laughs> running to the... It's true. It, I guess it, it should be bad. It's just an odd threat because, you know, I will torture you is a pretty good threat. Honestly, I'll everything turn you to, does... into a horse when you dream isn't that strong. I, I was wondering about that. Like, it, it's it's shitty. Like, I, I won't... I wouldn't argue that. For, for Nynaeve, it'd be, you know... An, an uncomfortable thing, but there are a lot worse things you can do to somebody than well, just yeah, make them be a horse. What she's doing right now, which is stripping off her clothes and hog-tying her with the power and torturing her and, and messing with her mind, that's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. She says what she's going to do is, is like use her mind powers to program Nynaeve to wake up and shield Elaine and bring her to Mogedi. She can do that stuff. I mean, like this, that, that's much worse than being a horse, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awful. But luckily, before that happens, Birgitta manages to get up and put an arrow through Mogedian, because Birgitta is my favorite character now. Oh my god, she's so cool. <laughs> yeah. And and, and I, I mean, I know we're going to... Things are... This this moment when this happened, I was like, no! Because <laughs> I, was, I was so excited about this character, Birgitta, and then yeah. Mogedian does something, so she crushes her with... She does, with yeah, the, the darkness rolls something. over her and dissolves her or something. Yeah. And it seems pretty dead looking. But Mogedian still has an arrow through her chest, so she runs away. Yeah, being the Forsaken does not make you immune to arrows. Which, I mean, that makes sense. They're, they're, they're not gods. They're still very much... I mean, I, I guess you consider them human. Mm. They just have a lot of magic powers. Right. And you, I get, you can't heal yourself? Is that a thing? Is that yeah, a, is we learned that about? like in the very first book. Oh, Moraine okay. could not heal herself. Okay, I couldn't remember if that was a thing or not. Oh. I was curious why Mogedian had to rely on her shitty black Aja. Yeah, we, we follow Mogedian after this, and she wakes up and, and demands that the black Aja heal her because she has <laughs> it's the old dream trick. She has an arrow hole through her chest now in real life. Yep. And during her moment of weakness, Leandrin attacks her. Oh, shit, Leandrin, what are you doing? This is a terrible idea. We already know this is a bad idea. It didn't work the last time. Last two times. Yeah, she's she's done this before, and she's just like, she won't... I mean, I get it. 
I get it. She sees an opportunity. She thinks she sees an opportunity. And admittedly, Mogedian is not in great shape. She just had an arrow through and we know that from healing, it weakens you a lot because it uses your own personal stamina, I suppose. Which it's, as an Aes Sedai, she would know. She does know that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, she sees an opportunity, but damn, this is such a bad idea. Yeah, right. It totally does not work to do a mind attack on Mogedian right now. Yeah. And Mogedian has had enough of Leandrin's shit, and she does really bad stuff to her. Yeah, she. so she doesn't still her. She binds her with a shield that is so heavily knotted and and wrought that nobody can un- undo it. So it's right. like stilling, but with like a, 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 sh- yeah. a shard of hope. And she yeah. does that specifically so that Leander will always have hope, yeah. Even though it's not, tr- even though there are like three people in the world that can undo it and they're all forsaken. And also, she forces her to live. Yeah, gives her a mind compulsion to stay alive, which she has to do because she then sets the other Black Aja to torturing her to prepare her to be a a slave to these dark friends for the rest of her life. This was, this made me incredibly uncomfortable. Because she, yeah, Mogedi and and the other uh, Black Aja make reference to the dark friend who owns the home, Yvonne. And there's making strong implications that Yvonne's just going to start raping her. That does... I mean, Jordan doesn't... Doesn't overtly talk about that ever, as far as I can tell. But it, it did seem implied that that was on on the docket for right, Amanda. Yeah. Heavily implied. Forever. She's just going to be their slave forever. You know, we were talking just, just a minute ago about what is worse than what she was doing to Nynaeve. This is worse than what she was doing. Yeah, this is worse than being a horse in your dreams. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Even Mogedian's horse. Yeah, this is super dark. Yeah. Yeah. I And it's dark because this, you know, people have gotten cut in half. People have gotten burned away in these books. People have been slayed. We we walked into a whole village that had been skinned alive. I I think that was... Right, yeah. This this is the worst thing, the darkest thing that has happened in the book so far. I would say so. And uh, for me, the personal uh, disappointment is that Nynaeve is not going to kill Leandrin. I was looking forward to, you know, Nynaeve coming face-to-face with Leandrin and just destroying her. I'm, Leandrin is a pretty horrible person who's done some pretty terrible things, but I don't think I would wish this on her. I, I'd rather she die than I mean, this. She's, she's evil, right? Yeah, she's very but I evil. mean, this is like, this is a pretty next-level evil shit that's being done to her. Mm. I don't think I really, I don't think I'd want that for her. I don't believe that's justice. I think this is just more nasty. Well, Mugedian is creative. I'll give her that. Yeah, yeah. Well, now we know what awaits Nynaeve and Elaine if they get caught. I suppose so, yeah. Or she might just decide to turn them into horses instead. I don't know. That's her thing. <laughs> Chapter 35, Ripped Away, Icon of the Wheel of Time. So Elaine is watching Nynaeve dream as this whole crazy Mogedian encounter happens. This is actually kind of a funny scene to me because like, Elaine is just sitting there bored and she's just like, what am I going to do? I uh, <laughs> guess I'm going to heal this black guy. I don't know. It's like she heals her black eye and she's like sitting there. Like, yeah, I wish I had something to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Nynaeve wakes and she's very upset. Um, but before it goes on too long, Tom and Julian bring in Brigitta into the wagon. Yeah, she's been pushed into reality, which is... I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, I don't think anybody knew that was a thing. Maybe this has never happened before. Yeah. I mean, it's... Maybe this has never happened before in all of the turning of the wheel, or does this happen every time? Did Mogidian intentionally do this? Do you think her intention was to force her out of the dream and into reality and then that... I mean... And then come get her or something? Or maybe she's, she just knows that normally someone dies when that happens. Because 
Oh yeah, because Brigida was when she came through was fading fast. Like well, I was thinking maybe maybe back. that's the only way to kill one of these heroes in the dream is you force him out of the dream and then go kill him. We yeah we don't know what Mogadian did and we don't know that this is the intended outcome, but it's certainly something we've never heard of and it's kind of yeah. kind of crazy. That, anyway, there is Brigida right yeah. there in real life. That would seem confusing to me though because. If she dies in the real world, she's just going to go back into the wheel, right? But so if she dies in Teleran Riyadh, she might just be gone. The implication is that in order to be woven back in, she has to be born. And she hasn't been born. She's oh, been, like, so okay. The, the wheel spins them out and then brings them back in. But now the wheel can't spin them out. Okay. Or so, something. Yeah, that we, and we don't know for sure. This yeah, is, maybe. This, this, right? is all, this is speculation even from, even from the character's perspective because there's no precedent for this. But the implication seems to be that because she's been kind of pushed out of... The, the normal flow of things, if she dies now, she's dead, dead forever. Yeah. The, and they try and heal her because she's in bad shape, but that doesn't work. So Elaine bonds her like a warder. And Elaine becomes my favorite character because that is smart. That is mm. thinking on your feet. It's smart, but isn't... And, and, I, and I do think it's like probably the only option they had, but isn't it also kind of uncool? Like This is a pretty serious connection to just do to somebody when they're sleeping. I mean, it's literally the only thing that's going to save her life. And who the fuck would have thought of that? You know? Uh, uh, only Elaine, for sure. Yeah. But, she's but I mean, inventive. She is. And, I, and I, I really dig that characteristic of hers. It's a, it's a cool development, but I still feel like it's a little... I don't know. It just, it just seems a little weird to be doing something like that without someone's consent. Because uh, it's just like the implications are pretty pretty major, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe I mean we don't know. Burkita's pretty brave. She might just say, "I'd rather die." Thanks, you know. She's the kind of person who might just want that want freedom and death. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, if they if they bring her to, can couldn't she just decide then? I don't know. I don't know how it works. Yeah, I think you can de-warder somebody, but they don't know how to do it. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm surprised they even know how to bind him in the first place. And I guess it's only because Elaine was hiding and watching someone do it. <laughs> I think that's what she says, right? Yeah. Okay, but I have to talk. I have to mention this now. So that means that up until now, up until this moment, it's been totally possible to have women, female warders. I guess so. They just don't do it. Lame. I mean, I mean yeah. maybe like the maybe the primary function of warders is to get things off of tall shelves. <laughs> open, open pickle jars. <laughs> do one of those three things that men are really good at. <laughs> right. Dancing, fucking, and opening jars. I think killing spiders. And killing, killing spiders. spiders right? It's actually four. Uh, but but I mean like I I I understand that in in this world there's like this idea that men are warriors and and therefore they're useful in this capacity as well, warders. There are women. That's Warriors what I was too, right? There are women soldiers. We we met the the woman in Tanchika who's a Shan Chan, who's a, an amazing fighter. Yeah, there right? are there are women merchant guards and stuff in the, this series. Yeah. So why are none of those people warders? They would be great at it. I don't know. I, I mean, why doesn't the Red Aja have I mean, lady warders? Maybe it's just a customary That's a question. thing. I mean, if 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 the reason the Red Aja yeah. doesn't have warders cause, is because they hate men or whatever, they should have female warders. Mm-hmm. It just makes it, it bugs me that this is not a thing. I'm sure there's no like narrative reason for it. Or well, uh, yeah, maybe there is a narrative reason later on. Maybe they, maybe they didn't know it was possible. Yeah, maybe. Maybe Elaine is not actually doing the same thing that the other people are doing. That's a great point. Well, well maybe I, maybe way. it's like I, I'm supposing here, but maybe it doesn't work the same way on women. It's very possible. Maybe yeah. Birgitta is not going to get the same advantages. Maybe it just wouldn't makes sense to do. Either way, it's a great move by Elaine because Brigitte is badass. Yes. Oh, yeah. You're going to have a warder. Brigitte is like she a is fucking awesome She is the best so warder cool. ever. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> I'm I'm gonna be honest. I have a little crush on Verdita. She's so, she's so cool. Yeah. So Nynaeve is taking this all very hard. She takes the blame for all this whole thing that's happened to Brigitte. And Elaine tries to, you know, talk some battlefield sense into her, you know. Like, you know, she's her own woman, her own hero of time. She makes her own decisions, but uh, Nynaeve still is being super, uh, yeah, self-blaming about it. I, I feel like this is going to be a tipping point for Nynaeve. Like, this has got to be this, this like, a crucible from which the better Nynaeve is going to emerge. I'm, like, really, really hoping One for hopes. This mm-hmm. is what I'm hoping for. Also, they're spending a lot of time not getting the fuck out of there. Megidian knows where they are now. She knows they're in a menagerie. But yeah. there's 11 menageries around just this one city. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, for Forsaken, that's probably not that big a limitation, right? I mean, how would they even find all the menageries in the world? Yeah, I suppose. But yeah, I would think it would be time to get away from the menagerie. If I were them, I'd be, like, real urgent about finding another place to be. But they've also got to avoid the White Cloaks and Galad. And the Prophet, which they is, think. Which is the purpose of the menagerie in the first place. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's true. I just, uh, I don't know why they are not really thinking about it. But the menagerie is really cool. I think oh. they really like being there. Don't get me wrong. I like the menagerie. <laughs> I like that they're joined, they've joined the circus because the circus is cool as fuck. But they should be getting the fuck out of <laughs> Chapter 36. A new name. I got an elephant of the circus. Mm-hmm. So Birgitta sleeps a while and gets healed up with the, the water connection. And in her sleep, she calls out for Gaidal to wait for her. Aww. Oh, this is so sad. It is. And it turns out that along with her, Tom and Julian found a silver arrow. So they have put together what's going on. That this is Birgitta, the hero of legend. <laughs> you know, this is why they're MVP of NDA. Because they, they solve these fucking mysteries. Yeah, they're, right? they're the, the learning things part of the team. <laughs> Nynaeve's and the doing things properly part of the team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Nynaeve's the punching things. Elaine is making things, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Tightrope walking, apparently. Oh, yeah, yeah Tightrope walking, yeah. Sinking on her feet. And Tom and Julie do all the other stuff. I oh. like how Tom says, well, I know, you know, when, when men get all angsty and in a funk, you just get them drunk and get them a hooker. Guess can't really do that is for that ladies. Is that what he's saying? Yes. Yes. That's exactly what he's saying. Well, yeah, what get him drunk is- and laid. Find him a PR dash. Like what he else cuts would off. it be? A Prada bag? Uh, uh, I don't know, pretty girl. A proctologist? <laughs> a prawn? Maybe like shrimp. <laughs> everyone likes shrimp. Not everyone likes shrimp. I, don't like I shrimp. mean, I like shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it's likely he's implying that you would get the blade, whether it's a prostitute I, I or a pretty girl. It is strongly implied. <laughs> like, prostitute seems like a weird word. Has anybody said that word in these books? Oh, what, what, uh, what word do they use? Uh, I don't know, a, a lady of low morals, loose character. A flip skirt. A flip skirt. A flip skirt. There you go. Round Get him a drink and a flip skirt. And <laughs> get it on. But, you know, who, who knows what to do with ladies? Yeah. <laughs> Elaine's like, I guess I could get her drunk and try and find her a nice pretty yeah. She's like, I don't, I don't think that would work. She yeah. considers it, though. Yeah, she thinks about it. Because Nynaeve is still taking this super hard. But and Elaine realizes that it is time to let Tom and Julian know. It's about time. God, I yeah. know. I, I'm so excited about them finally. Like, this, I guess, is a change in Elaine. This idea that, hey, you know what? Maybe I won't lie to everyone around me for a little bit, you know? Well, well it's a sense of duty because she says, I have to let them know what dangers 
are we're leading them into which, which is, is a good thought it's absolutely true and it was true like 20 chapters ago but yes i'm glad they've gotten there for sure yeah so she tells him about Teleran riyadh and mogedian and everything and she's she gives an opportunity to leave too she's like look i get it the forsaken are basically like your nightmare stories if you want to leave i'd be cool with that well mm-hmm. we see her being a leader um now that She's realized that Nynaeve is basically useless now. And mm-hmm. so she's taking that role, which is great. Yeah. Right. Nynaeve probably wouldn't have leveled with them. She would have just said, you idiots, stop asking questions. Mm-hmm. Stop learning things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they both stay out of nobility. Yeah, as a side note, I, I thought Julian had a good line here where, where Tom was suggesting like finding a man to dandle Nynaeve on his knee and... Julian is like, I would sooner dandle a fangfish. <laughs> Man, has he been like getting lessons from Swan Sanjay? <laughs> That's what I thought too. It was a very Swan thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you know, he's... He, wait, they're from the same area, right? Yeah, they're from Tyr. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess all Tyr people, all Terrans, There's are fish people. Fish, <laughs> yeah. fish, fish folk. <laughs> the, and then Birgitta wakes up and she's very sad about missing Gaidal. Yeah. And not just because she misses him. But because she says he'll be lost without her. You know, he, he, he won't even know why he's missing something in his life. This made me even sadder. I was like, yeah. this is, because like it's, it, it makes a lot of sense. They're a, they are a, a, a divine like pairing throughout time, right? And so yeah. if you break up this pairing, it's going to kind of destroy the whole order of their, their existence. Right, yeah, it's awful. It's, it's pretty high stakes. But she's sad about it, but she's also, she accepts it, and she's resolute, and she's super cool. She's like, okay, this is how it is. Yeah, well, let's just move forward. Made our decision. Yeah. So, yeah, she handles it really well. And she's even pretty open to the idea of the warder situation, which is good to hear, since she didn't have a choice in it. Mm-hmm. But, but I think it's also funny that she talks about the only other time she's heard of an accepted binding a warder mm-hmm. was this, this random... Aes Sedai and Baku. Yeah, Barashel. Yeah, who gets sent to the kitchen for three years. <laughs> yeah. So but I really liked how she mentions that person, and Elaine has heard of that person, but it's in a completely different story. Yeah. Another little Robert Jordan pokes fun at history thing, because you know the names stay the same, but all the, everything else gets reconfigured. Yep, mm-hmm. I think it's great. And uh, I would say, yeah, like we were talking earlier, th- this is a five-star warder. Oh, like, yeah. A-plus, you know, number one on draft day. <laughs> First overall. NDA just recruited like the best fucking recruit ever, right? Yeah. This is our new MVP. Come on. Having Brigida on NDA, they're never they're never gonna have trouble again. Right. Uh, and so they bring her out and and uh, Luca shows up and is kind of trying to push everybody around because they're about to show on the circus. He's trying to get everybody in gear. And I love how Birgitta calls him pretty man. <laughs> you don't push me around, pretty man. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty great. I also love that Vel and Luca's kind of talking about the other menageries in the area and talking about all these different things. He describes, like, the Silks performers. He talks about clowns, which I guess don't exist in this world until now. Well, yeah, it's not even a circus, right? It's a menagerie. Yeah. So the all the stuff, it probably started out as a traveling animal show, and, and all these other performers are kind of a later addition or an evolution. I just think it's interesting that they don't have a word for these things that we know to be things yeah it's true mm-hmm. he's like they, they paint their faces and hit each other with bladders and everyone loves to see it i don't understand <laughs> they invented slapstick i don't know i just want to go back real quick because one really cool thing that just occurred to me elaine is talking about how she wants all this lost knowledge like that the forsaken have mm-hmm. 
she's got Birgitta now. So mm-hmm. she can get a lot of that because Birgitta says something random. Like, Gaidal claims I have the sense of humor like a rock tossed into a shoja circle. And Elena's <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? Well, I guess I'll ask her later. Well, there you go. She's asked somebody yeah. to answer questions for her now. Well, yeah. I, I think that's, that's a great source of information. But... Yeah, I mean, she's not an Isid- a wizard, but she's still going to have awesome information. Yeah, I think I think she's got a good historical context. But it's important to remember that Brigida is good at certain things, but she's not a historian. She's not a she's not a tactician even. She's just a really great warrior. So you have to remember that like what warriors prioritize is useful knowledge. Yeah, it, it may be, not be very great for Egwene. It'd be funny if like Elaine starts asking her for information about the old world and, and she just tells her about like the different bows and arrows of all the all times. <laughs> yeah, and then this time period they use you bows and they bit them this way. Okay, Bergita. Great. <laughs> so, so her bows and arrows were literally made of silver. Is that a good material for bow and arrow? Well, I have no idea. I, I I always thought it was kind of a metaphor, or maybe just like you know a, a painted thing. But no, that when the arrow comes through, like it's literally made of silver, including the fletching. I thought like, that doesn't sound like a very useful arrow. Well, but yeah, I mean she's got super good arching, right? <laughs> so she can arch with silver. <laughs> yeah. So that as Luca's pushing everybody to get in shape, Birgitta and Luca have an archery contest. Yeah, he's he's trying to convince her to do something. I think be a be a target or a showgirl or something. She's like, no, I'm a fucking archer, and he's like, oh whatever, yeah, you know, pretty man. Yeah. <laughs> I love how she's going through all the arrows he gives her and throwing out all the ones she thinks are badly garbage, made. Garbage, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he sets out a target at 50 paces and she immediately walks to 100 paces like, come on. We yeah. can't do this. And yeah. she, she does a double Robin Hood. That's yeah, right. Yeah, she does. She hits heroes next week and splits them both. <laughs> yeah, right. The coolest archer ever. And Luca doesn't even go. He doesn't even shoot. Like, okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, he, he's he's smart about it. He's excited. He's like, oh, this is the show, you know? Which, I get it. You know, Birgitta wants to showboat and everything, but probably not a great thing to be drawing attention to right. yourself. That and way. she bets him. She yeah. bets him 100 crowns against one silver penny. And I liked how over on the sides, Tom and Julian are off taking bets. <laughs> I know. And, and, it's, it's, and it's, again, from you know another perspective. So it's like, I wonder what they're doing over there. It's like, they are taking bets. <laughs> <laughs> right. They are making money. It's like a Get surefire thing doesn't come along this often. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we'll bet any money. And, and, so, and Val Luke is like, oh, we're going to call you Birgitta. And she's like, nah, man. Just <laughs> yeah. call me something else. Call me Marion. Which Marian. is a Robin Hood reference. It is. Oh yeah, Maid Marian, right? Nice. Yeah, I know. I I, 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 I heard that. I was like, oh yeah. So he's doing like a little so Brigida Marian, you know. Right. Oh, makes me really happy. A little history mix up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fun. And she's super into this circus attraction thing. Yeah, she's like, yeah, yeah, I'll shoot arrows. Yeah, I'll wear whatever dress you want. <laughs> this yeah, because Brigida is super cool. Yeah, yes. I, I I I love that she's just. So handy and like capable. She's just yeah, a great and she was character. she was ripped out of the wheel of time, the heroes of time, like less than a day ago. Right? Yeah, I, like I was six like six hours ago. I was prepared for this whole like fish out of water kind of situation, but she's like, no, nah, I roll with it. Yeah, yeah. You want me to shoot arrows? I'm gonna shoot arrows. That's yes. what I do. That's what I do. I'm gonna wear a sexy dress while I'm at it. <laughs> yeah, heck yeah. Yeah, it's it. funny because she actually comments on Nynaeve's dress in the dream previously. And now she's like, eh, I'll wear the dress or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 
Chapter 37, Performances in Samara. With the icon of the Andoran lion. So this is, this is a really cool chapter. We finally get to see this menagerie perform. And uh, Nynaeve has been given red hair, because apparently hair dye in this age is very effective. I Yeah, because Nynaeve has dark hair, and as I understand it, putting red over dark hair is very difficult. Right, you have yeah. to bleach it first, right, or something? I think so. To make it lighter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and she's got, like, they say brassy red hair, which is not something you easily do with dark hair. Well, if it's like a light brown, I guess maybe you could do it. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, but if it's a dark brown, you can't really. And Nynaeve, I guess out of guilt or something, is wearing the sexy red dress that she said she would never wear. I guess. I, I it's, it's hard to tell with her. She might have been intending to wear it all along, right? I mean, she also said the same thing about doing the night thing. I'll never do this night thing. She's doing the night thing. Yeah, that's true. So uh, Brigitte is also wearing the same sexy red dress yep. because they're going to be part of the show together. But Brigitte's into it. Like, Nynaeve's like, look how much boob you're showing. And she's like, yeah, look how much boob I'm showing. <laughs> <laughs> and Brigitte gives her, I guess, a, a pep talk, sort of? I don't know. I like I like Brigitte. Yeah, she's like, fuck off with your guilt. I made my decision. Stop trying to, to belittle me with by taking credit for everything I did. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and maybe, hopefully, what Nynaeve needed to hear. I mean, maybe it'll... It, it seems yeah. to be, like, getting the, the, the anger in her enough that she'll, like, finally drop this boring, angsty thing. So, so far, Birgitta is, like, the most sensible person in the whole series. Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. So far, right? She's the only person that is just talking sense nonstop. Mm-hmm. But she's also... Kind of savage, which I really, I love that about her. She doesn't really care about other people's feelings, you know? I like how she's savage, but not in a masculine way. Like, yeah. she still wants to wear the sexy dresses. She's still into dudes. Yeah, she she totally embodies who she is. Yeah. And she doesn't have any hang-ups about it at all. Yeah, she knows who she is, and she's down with it. I wonder if that's how she is when she's spun out as a hero in different lives, or if this is because she's, like, the essence. That's what exactly what I was thinking, is she is in her current existence has the benefit of thousands of years of experience and wisdom, right? I mean, so maybe she is just the most capable person in existence right now. Right. And that what she's doing right now is kind of trying to provoke Nynaeve's anger, like trying to make her lose her temper yeah. to, to break her out of this funk that she's in. Because that's really... It, 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 I, I kind of feel like Brigitte might have just... She might have would have needled her anyway. Yeah. It seems like that's kind of who she is. Yeah, I agree. And 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 she even talks about how she has kind of a bad sense of humor. I think it, she mentions it when Elaine first is talking about being a warder. She's like, oh, well, it sounds like I have some leverage over you. And Elaine's like, if you try and threaten me, I'm going to fuck you up. And she's like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, I have a bad sense of humor. I'm not good at this. <laughs> we get to see the circus. And the circus has a lot more stuff than I thought it did. It's got pandas and koalas. And, yeah. But they don't say those names, of course, they describe them. I don't think it was koalas. I think it was lemurs. Oh, it's you a think lemur. So? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I thought I thought koala, but I could see lemur too. It yeah. talks about the big eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and That's they were what eating leaves with their little hands. Because pandas have or koalas have little eyes. Oh. Lemurs have big ones. Oh, okay. I was thinking of like the stuffed koalas you get and in the stores. Backflipping dogs. <laughs> that's pretty great. That's no, pretty awesome. But nobody cares about the backflipping dogs. I mean, dogs. come on, the, the stupid panda's not doing a backflip. That's right. Well, nobody cares about the pandas either, I think, as I mentioned. They're into the boar horses, and they're into the the tightrope walking. But Yeah, they're really into the tightrope walking. Well, pandas are endangered now, so I'm really glad that in this future they uh, made a comeback. Or past. <laughs> or both. Ooh. But yeah, so, yeah Jordan's yeah, really running wild with the circus thing, and I 
totally dig it. I love yeah. it. I love it. <laughs> it's really cool. All the people are in, they're all into the shows and stuff. Uh, it's really fun. I would love to see this in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom is juggling, which I, I have to call a little bit of BS on this because he's an amazing juggler, right? Yeah. Doing two rings with eight balls or whatever, eight fiery things. But he never practices, right? You got to practice. In the early books, don't we see scenes of him just like hanging out, like tossing balls in the? Oh hand yeah, yeah. It? In the early books, but that's he's been murdering kings since then. That's a good point. And now he's just sits around smoking his pipe a lot. Yeah, I mean, right? he could be fondling his balls. We don't know. <laughs> we don't ask questions. Yeah. Men can it's do true. what he wants with his balls. <laughs> but and so Nynaeve is heading through the crowd, and she's wearing this incredibly sexy red dress, which ex- reveals a a vast acreage of bosom, and. It is pointed out that multiple women snatch their men out of her way. <laughs> yeah. well, when, like they're going to be sucked into her like a gas giant. When you say acreage, it is literally an acre of bosom because <laughs> they're <true>. so large. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, and we see the tightrope performance, which, first of all, Julian gives a great performance. Yeah, this is, this is, this is uh, I kind of love this. He, he pretend, pretends to be drunk. He climbs up there and does this kind of comical thing where he's like looking for his... His beer or whatever. He's yeah, like, oh, he yeah, accidentally, over there. accidentally goes across the tightrope looking for his beer. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> he does like a fake fall where he catches himself and like, oh, okay. Yeah, right? He's way to go with Julian. He's adapting to the situation. Yeah. For sure. And then Elaine performs, but she does not use the power. And it, you know, to me, it seems like she did a pretty standard tightroping act, but the crowd goes wild. Yeah. Because she's wearing her sexy breeches. Oh, and and while Nynaeve is watching, we see we hear reference to this one-eyed guy wandering around with a giant sword and an angry eye and <laughs> painted on his patch. Yeah, painted on his patch. I was like, ooh. Is he? And then I was like, oh, <laughs> no. he's not saying anything about goat fucking and milk drinking or whatever. So I guess it's probably not Uno. <laughs> right until the very end. Yeah. After Elaine, literally, the crowd rushes her, and and Luca and a bunch of uh, bodyguards have to make a path for her to get out of the crowd. Because her tightrope walking was so amazing. I guess. I, mean, I don't quite get this. Yeah, it's, it's, a little, it's a little much for me. But whatever, you know, she's... Yeah. Uh, Nighty realizes who that is. That one-eyed guy with the sword. and Because the he starts guy. cursing wildly. <laughs> <he> starts, <laughs> yeah, dropping mad profanities. Uh, great. Awesome. I love Uno. Me too. I'm very glad to see him back. So that's it for this episode. Next time we're going to cover chapters 38 through 42 of The Fires of Heaven. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan at Alice M. Sullivan. And I'm Michael Sparkman. I don't have one of those. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. We would love to hear from you. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews on whatever service you got this from. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Club, And please like us in real life. We're super likable. Until next time. The, the light, light illumine you. you.